Realtors Realcast. I'm your host, Maura Neal. Last week, the president signed into law the new CARES Act, which formally stands for the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. This has been the topic of much conversation among the small business owner community and, of course, the realtor community for two specific programs, the Paycheck Protection Program, also known as the PPP loan, a new program under the Act, and also for shedding new light on the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, EIDL, an existing program from the Small Business Administration. If you're like most realtors, entrepreneurs, and small business owners right now, you have a lot of questions about these programs. Today, we're going to tackle the big ones, the who, what, where, when, why, and how of these programs. I want to give huge thanks to our guests today, our experts, Megan Booth, Director of Federal Housing, Valuation, Commercial Real Estate Policy and Programs for the National Association of Realtors in Washington, D.C., and Casey Bradley, Certified Business Exit Consultant and Partner at the Piedmont Group here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you to you both for the plethora of information and guidance that you provide today to our members and to realtors across the country. I do want to start this episode by making it clear to our listeners that our guests today are speaking from a place of the most updated information currently at their fingertips. Information for the programs and benefits that we're going to be talking about are absolutely subject to change as the Small Business Administration and Congress make changes and additions to the programs, and as individual lenders create their own policies around these programs. So while we are working today, With the most accurate and up-to-date information that we currently have, please keep in mind that all of this might change, and the Georgia Realtors will do our best to keep you, our members, updated and informed as we receive new information, possibly on a daily basis. Thank you so much for joining me on the Georgia Realtors GA Realcast podcast. I have with me today two guests that are going to help us to dig into some information and questions that I know are on everyone's mind right now. First, I want to introduce Megan Booth, who is Director of Federal Housing, Valuation, Commercial Real Estate, Policy and Programs for the National Association of Realtors, and Casey Bradley, Certified Business Exit Consultant and Partner at the Piedmont Group right here in Atlanta. So today we are going to be talking about the CARES Act and the benefits through the Small Business Administration, namely the Paycheck Protection Program or the PPP loan or the Triple P that we've been hearing so much about and the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, which also comes with the possibility of a $10,000 grant. But we're going to dig into the basics. My goal today is to cover the who, what, where, when, why, and of course how, but also to get a little bit more detailed information from our two experts and get it out to you, our members, without getting too much in the weeds. So we hope that today's episode is going to be very useful for you. So let's start with the what. First, if you would help me to separate the Paycheck Protection Program from the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, which as I mentioned before, comes with the possibility of a $10,000 grant we're hearing. And secondly, what are any other benefits that are currently being offered by the SBA that realtors, independent contractors, or whether you file uh, your taxes as an independent contractor or S-Corp or C-Corp that realtors may be eligible for? Uh, So I'll start. So the two programs by the Small Business Administration that were highlighted in the CARE Act, the Paycheck Protection Program and the EIDL Loan Program, uh, our members are eligible to apply for um, either of these, or in some cases, both of these. Um, I will say that the Paycheck Protection Program um, is mostly focused on payroll expenses, although there are other eligible expenses, including mortgage interest, rent, utilities, interest on debt that was uh, previously occurring. Um, Those are things that are eligible under the PPP. And the PPP is run through existing small business lenders. As opposed to the EIDL, which focuses on, it also includes payroll, but other debts, accounts payable, other expenses are eligible under the EIDL. I think the benefit of the EIDL 
in addition to the $10,000 grant that um, Mara mentioned, is the EIDL is an existing program of the Small Business Administration that's been expanded a little bit. And you mm. apply directly through the Small Business Administration. So that may be a little easier right now as um, some lenders are getting up to speed on the PPP that you could apply for an EIDL directly through the SBA right now. And to go off of that too, uh, when you talked about potential positives, especially for the, the real estate community, uh, from personal experience, I completed the EIDL application probably three or four minutes. And I've heard it's a lot more difficult to get a, a paycheck protection program loan right now. So take that for what it's worth. It's, it's much easier to get the EIDL application out um, in the time being. And as Megan mentioned, that's an existing program of the Small Business Administration rather than the PPP, which is part of the CARES Act. Is that correct? Which means that really, Megan, was it last Thursday night, April 2nd, that the final interim, which is, is oxymoronic <laughs> to me, the final interim rule was published around 11 p.m. on the SBA website. So when we wonder why lenders don't seem to really know which end is up, that's why they're learning about it as we are. That's exactly right. And, and the, the whole thing to remember is, you know, this entire act was only signed into law a couple weeks ago. And so everyone is getting up to speed and it's a struggle for people to, to sort through all the paperwork and figure out how this program is going to work. Never mind the whole waiting for the federal government to help you with the funding behind it. So another thing to keep in mind is that a lot of people, we hear a lot of complaints from, from realtors who are trying to apply and say, well, if I don't have an existing business relationship, they don't want to talk to me. So some of that makes sense, right? If you're a lender and you have existing customers who are applying, you're going to start with them because they're your existing base. They're your existing customers. So some of this is just capacity at this point. Um, but that's not to say that there's not going to be an expansion of lenders offering this program once people sort of have time to get up to speed and get more comfortable with the program. And a lot of that frustration is what we're seeing on, we're seeing that on social media, especially the people who may or may not be eligible, just not able to get answers to those questions as much as a week ago or a little bit more when there was this flurry of interest. And I think now about a week has gone by. Obviously, people like us are getting together to discuss and try to put that information out. But as the lenders are getting more up to speed, the information seems to be trickling out and uh, we should be seeing some of those frustrations dis dissipate a bit as they are able to educate their clients and consumers on the whole. Um, uh, so you mentioned um, who might be eligible and Let's talk a little bit about that because I know that that has been a point of confusion um, for any, any small business owner, realtors being our main audience today, but who is eligible and how does someone who might be listening gauge if they're eligible for either one of those programs and, and how, to, how do they make that determination? So a, a good rule of thumb I've been telling people is if your primary source of income is W-2, most likely it's not something you would want to look at. But if you are on a commission income, if you are somewhat of an entrepreneurial role, this is meant for you. That's, these programs are designed to help you get through this crisis. So especially on the, the EIDL side, you know, like I said, it takes about three minutes and any sole proprietor, 1099 worker, independent contractor, even someone who has employees can apply very easily. Um, on the paycheck protection program side, it gets a little more in the weeds, but still, you know, sole proprietors are able to apply. People who have uh, subchapter S corporations, C corporations, uh, full-time employees are, are all eligible to apply for these programs. And just, so, sorry. Go ahead, Megan. So um, I, I was just going to point out, so I feel like we're talking like, oh, the EIDL is the answer and you should ignore the PPP. So I just wanted to bring up some of the benefits of the PPP versus yeah. the EIDL. Yes. So um, that the PPP, the benefits of the PPP are that there's um, a significant part of it that can be forgiven if you, um, if you have payroll. So if you have payroll and you're continuing with payroll, a lot of those payroll expenses can be forgiven if you keep up with your payroll. So that's a big benefit of the PPP. Another benefit is the interest rate on it is only 1% 
and you have no payments for the first six months. As opposed to with the EIDL, the EIDL, you can get the $10,000 upfront, which can also be forgiven, um, but the interest rate is uh, three and three quarters. Um, but again, you have no payments for 12 months. So there's like pros and cons to both of them. Another thing I wanted to put out, point out with the PPP is, Casey talked about the EIDL, when you apply on that SBA website, it's a very simple application. There's also an application form for the PPP on the SBA website, but note that some lenders are using their own application, not that application. Mm -hmm. So if you, you, could, you could, should fill out that application, like you can download it and fill it out so you have all the information in front of you, but just know that an individual lender could have a different form that they ask you to fill out. But if you have all that information together, you sh it shouldn't be that big of a burden if you get a different application. One of my colleagues who, who sort of has been working on this quite a bit says the rule to the PPP is patience, preparedness, and persistence. So be prepared, <laughs> get your documents ready, keep calling lenders to try and get someone, and then and be patient. Just, just keep working. Yeah. And having, having done, having filled out and applied for the PPP loan myself, I can tell you the helpful thing about the loan application that you find for that on the SBA website is it really does help you to get your thoughts together, gather the information that you need. It was my way to be able to go to my CPA initially and say, it looks like I need to be able to make this calculation. Can you help me do that and provide this documentation can you get that together for me? And then to your point, Megan, I spoke with several lenders just in doing some research, not even with the goal of trying to find, to figure out whom I, with whom I was going to apply. And we're going to get to that question in a moment, mm -hmm. but really just to see how they were differing from each other. And many of them either anticipated having their own application or knew that they would at some point, they just couldn't put their hands on it as early as last Friday, or they had a, an information form that they were using until they could get an online application up onto their website or their portals. And obviously with the final interim rule coming out as late as last Thursday night, uh, they weren't able to build that into their websites by Friday morning. So that brings me to the, the question of when. A big question on a lot of minds of small business owners, specifically realtors that I've been hearing is when. When can I make application? And I know this is based on whether you are a corporation with employees, which can include yourself. If you pay yourself a salary, receive a W-2 from your own you know, S-Corp or C-Corp, or if you are independent contractor status. And what I heard, and either of you can correct me or, or expound on this, is that as early as last Friday, April 3rd, those em employers with employees could make application if their banks were ready. And mm -hmm. then Friday, uh, April 10th, which this podcast is actually going to come out on Saturday morning, so we can say yesterday, would yep. have been the first day. Again, if those banks are were ready and prepared to accept those applications is when the independent contractor, sole proprietor, um, 1099 would be able to apply. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Were, so now, there, now is the answer. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but with the caveat that if you, the, yeah. the place that you're going to, to make application has to be ready to take those applications. Are we still seeing that there are a number of banks turning people away and saying, we're just not ready to process this yet? Or have most of them kind of gotten on board? I think most of them are on board, but they're still saying, um, if you're not an existing client, we're not ready for you yet. So uh, that's something we're definitely hearing. And I think it's just, it's just a capacity issue. People are mm -hmm. overwhelmed. The number of applications they received on the first Friday that people could apply um, was, out, was, was, was so oversubscribed. And then today with all the 1099s being able to do it, it's, it's another, or yesterday when this comes out, right. uh, when, um, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's been a, it's just been a lot. It's just been a lot. So right. they're still trying to catch up. So I think we're going to see more and more in coming weeks be, be, be more willing to accept applications. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just going to be a, a timing issue because uh, my clients who, who have successfully gone through this, they're just, you know, a lot of them didn't have banking relationships in place, but they had, they just reached out to the bank where they had their business bank account. And I know I can speak for a lot of 
independent contractors and 1099 employees, not everyone has a separate business bank account set up. So that I think is, is one of the contributing issues too, is if you don't necessarily have a business bank account where they have your EIN number on file, they have all of these forms already on file, it's gonna just take longer to get that stuff processed. Right, right. Yeah. And we're gonna get to some tips at the end of some things that maybe if you're finding yourself in a place where that was one of the hiccups and being able to apply right away, we're going to get some tips from Casey about some things that you might want to think about in the future for your business banking relationship. But to speak to the point of them just being overwhelmed, we were actually, we tried very hard to have at least one banker on this podcast today, on this, on this call. And literally the Georgia Bankers Association, the Credit Union Association, and the Community Bankers Association all tried really hard to work with us, the Georgia Realtors Association, and all of their bankers had to decline because they are just snowed under with the workload, the amount of applications that they're spending so much time on the phone and online processing these apps and really just trying to keep up with new information that's coming their way every day. Now, there is a strong belief that the current amount of funding, and maybe this is a rumor, but that the current amount of funding is going to be exhausted before every eligible person or business can make application. And I see you nodding, Megan. But I'm also hearing um, something that I'm hoping is true, which was on the news yesterday morning on MSNBC, that there's talk in Congress, at least, of an additional $250 billion yep. to go toward these types of programs and the stimulus package. What can you tell us about that, Megan? Absolutely. So yes, immediately, I, I can tell you, I, I got a call from uh, a realtor on um, like a good week ago before 1099s could even apply saying to me, my lender told me they're out of money already. Okay, that is not true. So, so <laughs> if they're telling you they're out of money, that's not true. Um, but there is a concern that because of the, the high level of demand, this is um, you know, the whole country being shut down is unprecedented, right? So um, the high, the high level of demand, there's concern that it could exhaust the existing funding, which the total amount of funding was $360 billion. But um, there's concern that it could already it could be exhausted before the end of May. So uh, there it was an emergency legislation brought up in the Senate uh, in the last 48 hours, uh, trying to appropriate uh, significant more funding to the program. Uh, we are supporting those efforts completely. Uh, we'll see how it goes. There's some political gamemanship, as there always is. Um, but 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 on, at the same time, um, people on both sides of the aisle understand the importance of this program to American business people, and that our country can't function without our small businesses. So um, we feel we we feel very positive that there's going to be an increase in, in this funding. Great, yeah. And so um, obviously, another big question on everyone's mind is where is all this money coming from, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I, I can't really answer that. Um, where is this money coming from? Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's coming from the sky. But yeah, they are not, uh, as opposed to other legislation that they've been passing for, for the last number of years, this was not a pay-go bill, as they call them. They did not um, come up with a way to pay for this. Uh, I think there was just widespread recognition, um, as it happened sort of in other crises. If you look to Katrina, to other things, you know, other major catastrophes in our country, um, you know, there's just a, an understanding of a need that if you cannot, if you can't assist people in their, you know, ability to make a living and their ability to, you know, survive this, then, then we're all, the whole economy will crash. And so with the goal of that not happening, I think they are, they are just coming up with the money. And I think we'll figure out later how we pay, how we pay for it. Yeah. And to go off of that too, I, I've been telling people, you know, we're, we're going to end up paying for this in the future with our tax dollars. So it may just seem like free money right, right now. And some people I've talked to feel bad about taking the money because they may still be doing well, say, you know, other people may need it more, but at the same point, it is, it's your dollars. It's just, you know, 10, 15 years from now when your taxes go up. So <laughs> it's something where if, if you have the ability to apply and you are in any way an entrepreneur, I would really suggest you at least give it a shot and apply. Sure. And I will say on to that, we, NAR has also been supporting sort of a longer term um, business relief fund that Congress established for future times like this. And that's sort of the idea is we're going to end up paying for it one way or another. So right. why don't we create some kind of 
business continuity fund, some sort of insurance fund that can help. Um, God forbid this happens again, but we all know it's likely something like this will happen again at some point. So, um, and so to try and create a fund like that is, is something that we, along with a lot of the other business groups are supporting. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it sounds like when, when we're thinking about should we or should we not apply, the answer is you should absolutely find a way to make application. If you are an independent contractor or you're a small business owner, you should be applying for one or the other or both because you don't want to be months and months down the road wishing that you had before the money was gone. You should be thinking about talking to your CPA, talking to your financial planner, downloading the applications, um, finding, figuring out if you're eligible and, and where you need to go to make application, which again, of course, is one of the other big questions on everyone's mind. <laughs> so we've established pretty much, and I think this is an, an understood fact, uh, everyone that I'm talking to and every every um, conversation that I'm seeing happening online, it's become an established fact that you need to be going at least to the bank where you have your business checking account. Mm -hmm. um, you might not have a relationship there. I know some banks are more stringent than others. I'm not going to mention names, but I know one that I've been able to confirm is requiring not just a business account, but also a business line of credit or a business credit card. So some banks are putting a little more stricter stipulations in place. But what do you tell people, or, or do you know what to tell people at this point, if they don't have that business relationship? Or let's say there is an independent contractor or a small business owner who hasn't gotten the best advice over the years and doesn't have what we would refer to as a business account, either a checking account or a, a business savings account, where do those people go when they are still an independent contractor or a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Where do those people go to figure out whether or not they can make application? To Megan's point, I think one of the main things is the P, uh, patience. So we can, uh, we mentioned this before, we can put a list of all the SBA lenders in the state of Georgia. I mean, there's quite a few of them, so quite a few resources, but at this point, because there's so much uncertainty, it's just gonna be a trial and error. So you may be able to call one bank, be on hold for 30 minutes and get through and, and get some help. Um, and one bank may not offer the same customer service. So if you don't have a banking relationship in place, if you haven't necessarily gotten great advice in the past and don't have a CPA, a financial planner, even a, a realtor who maybe has those relationships in place, I think the best thing would just be to try to call as many banks as you can and just get someone on the phone. And I appreciate uh, Casey told us before we started recording that he did download a list of all the small business um, institutions, banking institutions in the state mm -hmm. of Georgia. So we're going to post a link to that in our show notes at garealcast.com. So if you're listening to this and you want to get that list, um, courtesy of Casey, um, we are very grateful for that. And we are going to put that on our show notes. Um, so is it, so it sounds like it could be just a little bit of trial and error, a little like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but as with that patience piece of things, we should be able to, if, if you are someone who doesn't have that bank business banking relationship, it should eventually come to light that there will be some people that you can go to. I'm hearing that community banks might be a better option for that than some of the large national ones. Is that just conjecture or do we know that to be true? That's what I've heard. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, that's what I've heard. So for people that don't already have a banking relationship in place, anyone that has come to me that doesn't have one, you know, you can introduce someone to maybe a local banker. So if you're, in a, a small town in Georgia with a, a local bank, I would just do your best to find a relationship to a local banker and just hound them on the phone. Uh, again, they're really busy right now, but um, that's that's really what a, a financial planner's job, a CPA's job, a trusted advisor's job is during a time like this is to introduce you to someone who can help. Great. So let's get to the how. How do interested parties make application? I know we referenced the PPP loan application that's on the SBA website. That definitely was the most helpful first step for me. And then it's reaching out to your bank 
and finding out what other information they need from you. But what has been some of the common pieces of information that if someone is preparing now, if someone's listening and saying, I actually think I might be eligible, maybe they were considering not applying or maybe there was just too much confusion, but they're now going to reconsider that decision. What kinds of information should they be gathering, requesting from their CPA, getting ready to go with that loan application to, to provide that documentation for their application? So we have a list on our um, FAQ and then um, I'll turn over to Casey because he may have some more specifics. So um, if you're applying for the PPP, you definitely want to have your 2019 and 2020 year-to-date payroll reports if you have payroll, which is include, can include you. Um, you'll need your um, tax filings for the last several years is something a lender may ask for. There's not a set list, so this is the things we think lenders will ask for. You're going to, of course, need your tax ID or your um, EIN um, to file that. Um, if you have your, you'll need your 1099 MISC form. Mm -hmm. You'll, um, you might want documentation of your income and expenses of your sole proprietorship if you're a sole proprietor. Um, if you're trying to get um, healthcare costs covered, you would need to have um, your premiums pay, a, a report of your premiums paid. Uh, or if you're in a group plan, like what, how much, how much you're paying there. So those are some of the basic things you're going to need to start off in addition to the, to the form that they have. I don't know if Casey has other documents that he thinks will be helpful. No, I think that was great. I, I know for the, the PPP program, they're asking for way more stuff. So everything that you just hit on um, with the EIDL program, it's, it's a lot um, simpler. So I think they just asked me, like, what was my revenue last year and what were my net operating expenses? So that that was, you know, I didn't necessarily have to upload a ton of forms, but you go through the PPP and, and through an approved lender, you're, you're going to need to try to prepare every every financial document you can get your hands on. Again, think, that's a benefit of the EIDL is that it's it's an SBA program directly. So right. it's an easier, easier process. Mm -hmm. and, and I think as a side note, uh, this is... This is one of those times, obvious, obviously any time of crisis, when the customer service abilities, if you do have a banking relationship, um, or if, if you're reaching out to the bank where you have your business checking account, or if you're searching for a bank to have a relationship with, this opportunity for them to demonstrate their customer service is, is a huge one. One of the things I'm noticing just, just from a side, a side note perspective is I've spoken with several business relationship managers at several large banks when I was doing some research and also seeking out, do I need to apply with the bank that I do business with or can I look outside of that institution? And it's rather telling when several of them have been sending me daily updates banks that I don't have a relationship with. Several of them have been sending me daily updates, which I know are emails that are going out to all of their clients. And then they just happen to add me to that email list. And my communication from my own bank, with the exception of taking my application over the phone on Sunday evening, has been almost nothing. So this is a great opportunity. If we have any bankers listening, prove your customer service, prove your worth, prove uh, that you care for the clients and the people that put their money with you and do business with you because when people are confused and frightened and frustrated and times are uncertain, it, this is a great opportunity to, to prove the why. Why should we be doing business with you? And why should we be loyal? Um, and I also think that this is um, similarly a great opportunity for realtors to show their value to their clients in the same way. So you can't help them apply for a loan, but you could provide them with information on, are they eligible for forbearance on their house? What can they do if they're having problems making their mortgage payments? You can be that sort of trusted source of information. And I think it's a great opportunity for our realtors. You might not have a lot of showings right now. You might not have a lot of new listings right now, but you can, you can build that relationship you have with your existing client base by being a helpful source of information for your homeowners who are worried and scared on their own. Absolutely. And your clients who are small business owners, forward them a link to this podcast or to any other information that you're finding helpful because you may have clients who are in the same boat that you are and have questions and frustrations with this, um, these programs and how to, how to navigate them. 
So other than the obvious, uh, protecting the ability to make payroll and, you know, applying for grants that, uh, and loans that are either coming with a very low interest rate, but uh, also have the possibility to be forgiven. What are any other of the whys? Um, are there benefits, Casey, from a financial planning perspective or just from a, from a financial perspective for a small business owner, even one who says, you know, hey, I've been named essential. That's a, mm -hmm. a word that's getting thrown around a lot right now. I've been named an essential business or my business is one that continues me to allow me to do business right now. But I want the ability to not have to lay off employees or I want that financial security. Are there any other benefits if there's anyone who's saying, I don't feel like I need this? Why would you maybe tell them to reconsider making application? So on, on both sides, I really, to, to Megan's point on the interest rate, I mean, these are historically low interest rates. And, and there's something to be said for having working capital during a time like this. So really, no one knows how long this is going to last. This could, this could be done next week or could be done next year. You know, no one really knows. And, and there's a certain level of, of power when you have liquid cash you can touch in, in times of crisis. Um, but a second point to that, it is a historically low interest rate that you don't have to pay back immediately. So you could take that money and use it on your normal operating expenses and essentially get a grant from the government just for continuing to contribute to the economy. So from a financial perspective, you know, the PPP program is meant and rewards employers who are willing to keep their employees on payroll. You know, it's, it's rewarding people who don't lay off people, rewarding people who don't decrease salaries. So as long as you, you know, fill, fall into that category, it's, it's a, a no-brainer financially. And then the, the economic injury disaster loan, if, if they give you $10,000 and you use it on your normal operating expenses as an independent contractor and a business owner, they forgive it. So at, at that point, you know, if someone gives me $10,000, that'd be great. You know, so um, I, I think it's kind of a, a no brainer financially. Um, but I, I do understand, you know, there's a certain psych psychologically, it's not fun saying, you know, I don't want to take on a loan, but absolute worst case scenario, you get approved and then you pay back the loan the next day because you don't need it. Right. It still is a good idea to apply just to see if you can benefit from these programs. Right. And do the math. I, when yeah. you when you download that uh, PPP loan application, there it gives you a formula to figure out how much you're actually eligible to borrow, and then do the math at what what does that amount look like at one percent? And it is it is ridiculously low, and right. it it is really a no brainer. And I so I reached out to my CPA early last week when we when we started really hearing some of the information and details about these programs. And I said, I basically asked him the, those questions that any financially savvy or financially conservative, I should say, business owner might ask, you know, what am I missing? What are the negatives? What are the downsides to me making application for this, assuming that I'm eligible? And he said, there really are no downsides. It's essentially free money in which we know nothing is ever free, but it is at right now at this point in time where things are so uncertain, it is free money, either in the form of a grant or a forgiven loan, or it's a loan that you pay back later at a ridiculously low interest rate. And for, for people who are nervous about, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And those are saying, you know, be cautious. I think that what you just said is a really good thing for them to hear. Casey. Well, I appreciate that. And, and to your point, you know, it's free now. We're going to end up paying for it at some point. So if you're going to pay for it anyways, you know, this $10,000 is going to get paid for in your future tax dollars. So you might as well take advantage of it now in times that are very uncertain. And as Megan said, I think it's important to remember that small businesses really help to drive our economy in a big way. And if this helps to keep those businesses afloat, then it's helping to keep our economy afloat during very difficult and, and uncertain times. And that right there to me is a good enough reason. You know, I know I want to be able to continue to operate my business. I know my colleagues feel the same and that 
similarly, we want our favorite restaurateurs to stay open and people who own boutiques and, and other small businesses that we love in our communities. So we can be doing our part to Megan's earlier point of spreading the word and helping them to understand as much as we have an understanding of these programs and um, making sure that they know what's available to them as well. Megan, do you have anything you want to add to that? So I do want to say um, to the point of as much as we understand, and uh, part of it is also as much as anyone can understand, because it, uh, these programs are developing uh, and changing, uh, seems like every day. <laughs> so, um, and that's probably going to continue uh, in the short term. So um, people should stay up to date. I'm going to make a plug for um, my NAR website. We have a great FAQ at nar.realtor/coronavirus. Um, and there's one specific to SBA at nar.realtor/coronavirus/sba, um, and you can also um, text COVID to 30644 to get a link to that. COVID to 30644, and we literally update those every day, sometimes many times a day, <laughs> as we get more information. Is we have a conversation with SBA and something else comes out, or they put out some new guidance or a new notice comes out, we are updating those around the clock. Excellent. And I will put those links in the show notes as well, just to make sure that if anyone was trying to jot those down, or if someone's perhaps listening to this while they're driving down driving. the road, uh, or helping homeschool their kids, they can yep. go to the uh, to GARealcast.com and get those links. So um, in these times of uncertainty, and, you know, especially for someone who is in a commission based business and a small business owner, what are some other things that we should be thinking about, Casey, from a financial planning perspective or a tax planning perspective? What should we be reaching out to our financial planners, financial advisors, CPAs, other than specifically about these programs? What questions should we be asking right now of those professionals in our lives? So I, th I think the main thing would be, you know, what can we do to better prepare for the next time this happens? So... Um, really, times like these are a very strong reminder of why it's important to have an emergency fund. So anyone who doesn't have an emergency fund right now, I'm sure is, you know, more nervous than they were three or four months ago. Um, you know, there are certain programs where, you know, certain people are getting money that, that may need it. But if uh, someone reaches out to their CPA or to their financial plan or even to, you know, just a trusted advisor, really the questions you need to be asking is, okay, what can we do to weather this storm now? What decisions need to be made? Do I postpone my taxes, et cetera? But the more powerful conversation to have is, what can we do now to prepare for the next time this happens? You know, how can we be in a better position when this happens in the, uh, in the future so we can capitalize on an opportunity like this or we don't necessarily have to be as nervous as we might be now? Or as nervous about, for example, stimulus money from packages like this running out. And right. I think that's creating the chaos and the confusion. And, and uh, so two days ago, Megan and I have talked about this offline, but the National Association of Realtors did a live broadcast on Facebook where they were giving legislative updates. And a big piece of it was what's happening with these programs, what's happening with the CARES Act, et cetera. And just reading the comments down the side of the Facebook Live, you could sense the trepidation. It everything, mm -hmm. you know, it ranged from, you know, just frustration and 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 anger all the way to just sheer rage and fear and such just a lot of emotion that comes with when times are stressful and when we're struggling or when we're feeling challenged and when it's so uncertain that we really don't know, you know, when am I going to have my next closing? I have clients who want to list. When am I going to tell them that they're going to be able to have showings? So having some kind of disaster planning in place um, financially and otherwise, I think is definitely a good point. And for those business owners, independent contractors, you know, whether they operate as an S corp or a C corp. Um, I know when you get into S corp side of things, you get a little stricter with guidelines of what you have to have. But for those small business owners who don't have a business account, who mm -hmm. some of the things that a lot of us consider to be very basic, what are some of the basics that those people right now who are realizing the impact of either 
not having made the best choices or not getting or seeking the very best advice in addition to get, get a business checking account set up, establish a business relationship with a bank, maybe go ahead and be an LLC or an S Corp, hire a CPA if you haven't done so already. What are some other really basic business decisions that these people need to be putting in place now? Are there any that we've missed? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, every single one you hit on, and then I think one that is just a, a very foundational piece that anyone who's starting a business needs to focus on is what is my business budget? So I was guilty of this too. You know, when I first started out, I didn't necessarily do it. I was kind of just flying off, trying to figure it out as I went. And I would have been a lot better off had I done this. So getting the idea, okay, what is my insurance cost this month? What is my operating expenses in general? You know, what's my anticipated income and project that out. You know, if you're going to be an independent contractor and be an entrepreneur, you know, treat it like a business as well. So have a business bank account. Yeah, have some sort of relationship with a business banker, even though you don't necessarily need a loan necessarily, but it's important in times like these to have those relationships in place. So um, a, a good piece of advice would just be to build out uh, a professional a board of advisors for, for your business and your company. So that's anything from an attorney, you know, and, and these aren't people that you're necessarily paying at this time, but just relationships to have. So an attorney, uh, a realtor, a commercial realtor, a CPA, financial planner, uh, pretty much anyone that you think would give professional advice that whether it be now, five years from now, 10 years from now could benefit you. This is a great time to start those relationships because anybody who's in, in those industries, you know, if, if you call them up and say, I'd like to make a, a relationship with you, they're going to take a Zoom meeting any day. So um, this is, it's a really good time for business development, professional development, and, and just to get those relationships in place. It's a great homework assignment. And, yeah. and to, to reach out to those people, I think if you do have relationships, reach mm -hmm. out to them and just touch base and, and say, you know, how are you doing today? How is this affecting you? I just wanted to say hi. I don't need you right now, but I just wanted to reach out and, and say hello and, and check on you. Right, right. That's great advice. Megan, do you have anything to add to that from a, from a business standpoint, what we should be thinking about? So I think the only other thing I would add to that is maybe this is a time to also, um, you know, build your network with other realtors and with others. You mentioned if you're a, if you're a, um, if you primarily sell residential, maybe you reach out to a commercial, uh, commercial realtor. Maybe you reach out to a property manager. Maybe you reach out mm -hmm. to, you know, other parts of the business that uh, I know, you know, when the, when the big crash happened in 2005, a lot of realtors went from selling houses to property management in a heartbeat. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's good to know how to, you know, diversify. And so, um, you know, if you don't have those relationships now, build them. People, you know, people aren't out there selling as much as, as much as they would be on a normal day. So maybe, maybe this is a time that you could spend some time to do some networking and get those, get those people on your contact list, develop a relationship. You never know when they, you can help each other out. That's great advice. Absolutely. And uh, before we wrap up and I give you guys an opportunity to give us any of your final thoughts or anything that we might have missed, Megan, we mentioned briefly about the potential of adding another $250 billion or some amount that has yet to be determined in additional funding. And there have been a lot of concerns about businesses or small businesses, small business owners, the people who need the money most being the ones that are at this point at the biggest disadvantage to get the current funding. So what can you tell us, if anything additional, about some policy that is being discussed regarding additional funding or other policy that might be coming down the pike that would add to the CARES Act or add to stimulus packages that would be of interest to realtors specifically? So, um, so there have been three big um, stimulus packages passed, phases one, two, and three. Three was the CARES Act, which is the biggest one that had these um, SBA programs that we've been talking about. Um, and yes, there's, uh, theoretically, there's, hopefully, there's going to be a bill in the next few days to increase the funding for those existing programs. Um, but then there's also a talk about phase four, a whole other um, set of, of programs and uh, we are working diligently to, to get a number of things included in them. We want to, um, uh, I, think, I think Georgia, you can tell me, Mara, allows for remote notary. 
Yes. Don't you have remote notary? Yes. yes. There's a lot of states that don't, though. So um, we're working on federal legislation to get that covered for all the states and territories. Um, we're also working to, one thing we think people might need um, in the aftermath of this, hopefully soon, um, is uh, housing counseling. So if you, let's for example, let's say you got forbearance on your loan. And let's say you're a homeowner who didn't really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And so you just took straight up forbearance. Well, straight up forbearance means at the end of that forbearance period, be it 30 days, be it 60 days, be it the whole 360 days that you could be eligible for, depending on your type of loan, you're going to have a balloon, balloon payment if you didn't right. talk to your servicer and work out something. So we're worried that there might be a huge demand for housing counseling. So we're asking for some more resources for housing counselors to help people sort of sort through this um, and figure out if you took forbearance for a year, hopefully, you know, three months from now, you think, uh, wait a minute, how am I going to pay for that? We need some more housing counselors to help people figure out how that's going to work. So that's another thing we're looking for in the, in the federal legislation. A number of other things, some more tax provisions to help homeowners, maybe to stimulate the housing market when this is all over, get people back in, um, improve inventory, things like that. So there's a, we have a whole list of things that um, we have for phase four and that we're working with Congress on. Um, like I, said, I mentioned earlier, there's that um, business sort of uh, business continuity relief fund that's something sort of a longer term thing that we're supporting to help, you know, like I said, God forbid this happens again, but to be prepared more. Um, so yes, we think there'll be several more stimulus packages coming. The first one we think will be to beef up the existing programs because of the um, incredible demand they saw. And then um, we're not going to stop there. So if there's things y'all are seeing and you're like, why isn't NAR dealing with this? Please let us know. And um, <laughs> we can tell you either what we're already doing or we could say, hey, that's a great idea. We should, we should do that too. Well, the forbearance question, I think, is a really big one because that is the one that I've been the most worried about. And we've been trying to give our clients as much information as we can, but also with the understanding that their finances are, are very personal to them and, and very personal to their situation. Mm -hmm. And so we can, only, we can only advise so much, but with you know, um, the changes to the mortgage programs from 2015, my hope is that the servicers have, that this program wasn't put together so hastily to allow for forbearance now as part of the stimulus packages, that it, it isn't going to be allowed in too many cases to create a scenario where, where it catches those homeowners off guard and it creates um, a foreclosure or a short sale crisis like we saw previously, because that would be, that would be extremely disappointing and, 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 put our economy back possibly into an even worse situation than we're going to be with just what we're seeing right now from businesses closing temporarily or in some cases, sadly, permanently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to keep working on that with the servicers. I can tell you there's a lot of um, misinformation, even on the servicing side. I talked to a realtor this morning who personally, they had a Freddie Mac loan, which Freddie Mac loans are eligible for up to 300. You can get, you can get 180 days forbearance. And then if you can show, you need more, you could get up to 360 days, so a year's forbearance. They called their servicer and their servicer said, oh, well maybe they're eligible for three months, but they would need documentation, which is not, not true at all. Um, and they could only get a balloon payment, they couldn't do anything else, again, not true. Freddie and Fannie have both put out guidance to their services, urging them to come up with repayment plans that are not just a balloon payment. So um, hopefully that's just because it's all new. Um, and, and the other thing is, uh, the other part I'm worried about too is a, a credit crunch in general. A lot of lenders are right now saying, mm, not doing it. And, and you can kind of see why, right? If you're a lender and somebody, somebody wants to come in and buy a house and they want to take out a loan with you and you know that tomorrow they can call you and go, oh, by the way, not paying for the next year. Uh, that's kind of risky for the lender too, right? So we're working with, um, we're working with FHFA and Ginny May and trying to make sure there is guidance out there. And, and there's product out there so that the servicers have some sort of protection too. Ginny May said they're going to institute a sort of lending facility for FHA VA rural housing loans where they'll pay back servicers or let servicers take out loans to help pay their investors. We need that on the Freddie and Fannie side too, um, which we don't have yet. So there's a lot of things wrapped up in that um, that we're going to continue um, working on because we want to make sure that, that when this is over, we want the housing market to be able to come back strong. Mm -hmm. Well, and we also need to be concerned about while 
we're allowing for homeowners in distress to be applying for and be granted forbearance, we also still have buyers who need new mortgages and are actively looking to buy. We've had several buyers and I, I have several colleagues around the country who have had buyers who are buying sight unseen with just a virtual tour or a video walkthrough of a house. Those people who have urgent buying needs right now need the funds in place to be able to get new mortgages in addition to potentially helping the homeowners who are in distress and need, need a couple of months of break potentially or longer potentially. So as we wrap this up, is there anything about the PPP loan or the EIDL that, that we haven't covered or anything that you think that small business owners, entrepreneurs, specifically realtors should be thinking about during this time? Did we miss any important points that you'd like to make or any other resources that you would like to include in our show notes? Um, this would be the time to kind of help me wrap it up. <laughs> okay. No, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I think um, you guys both did a great job explaining kind of what everything um, is and how it works. The only thing I would say just from a mindset standpoint, you know, America loves business owners. So the, these are programs that reward entrepreneurs, you know, people that took a risk on themselves by starting a business, you're being rewarded for staying in business and being the lifeblood of our economy. So I would, I, from a mental standpoint, I would treat it that way. You know, this isn't something as, should I figure out, you know, should I apply? How does it work? I would really make it a priority. You know, these programs are meant for you. They're meant for entrepreneurs who took a risk and are vital to our economy. So it's at that point, it's, it's a no brainer financially. Um, and, and if you can, I would really reach out to your professional advisors and figure out, you know, what steps you need to take to get this thing up and running. Thank you, Casey. Megan? Yeah, I don't think I can top that. I think, I think that's very true. I mean, um, you guys are the lifeblood of, of, of America. It's built on small businesses. And um, so you all need to, to do what you need to do to make sure your businesses keep operating. And we're going to uh, work to get you the best information we can. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I know this is a busy time for, for both of you. Um, I'm sitting at home not showing a bunch of houses right now, but obviously we all have things that we can be doing and should be doing in our work from home scenario, whether it's you know homeschooling or, or keeping up with those business relationships or networking. We definitely have uh, things that we should be doing. And some of you now, thanks to Megan and Casey, have some homework and a to-do list, whether that is contacting your bank and making application for the PPP loan, going on the SBA website and making application for the EIDL, and just going to our show notes at garealcast.com and looking at some of the helpful links that Megan and Casey and the Georgia Realtors are providing for us during this time. So thank you both for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. And I hope you have a great day. You too. Have a good one. For more information about our guests, as well as links to all our episodes, but most importantly, all of the information that we promised you during this episode, please visit us at garealcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us. Apparently, it helps others to find us, and it boosts our ratings. Have a great one.